Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Hello, hello, hello. I hope everyone is doing well, everybody's mental health. You're doing something for yourself, so yeah. Yeah, definitely take care of your loved ones as well as yourself. So yeah, we're going to pull in through this year. So tonight, tonight we got a special guest. Um, something that Nina and I have been talking about for some, quite some time as we think about, you know, Aiden's future, um, financial health, anything uh, related and making sure that he was going to be okay because he is an only child. So it's not something we could just like, hey, let's um, let someone else take care of him for, uh, you know, if something ever happens to us. So, you know, tonight's guest is Norman Shevlin. He's a certified financial planner, a professional registered representative and a, for special care planner. Uh, he has over 32 years of experience, and he's been helping families and businesses um, across New Jersey, correct, in other states, or just New Jersey, you're licensed? Yeah, across, mostly in the tri-state area, but I certainly have clients all, all across the United States. Awesome. And Norman, that's awesome. And Norman's also proficient in working with special needs planning um, community as well as the LGBT. Welcome, Norman. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thank you. I mean, this is something like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, Nina have talked about, and it was just by chance that we were watching something and we we were listening to a story about these two parents. They were, you know, they had a special needs child. One parent had to work. The other parent stayed home with the child. And I'm looking at them. They, were, they had to have been in their late 60s, early 70s, and this child was at least early 20s. And it, it was right. severely autistic. And it's like, Who's going to be taking care of this child? It's not yeah. even a child. It's an adult. Yeah. I, unfortunately, you know, that's that's a unique situation. I'm, I'm hoping to meet with parents a lot earlier on when they're, you know, younger because um, that's when you can really do the most good for yourself and your special needs child or children or adolescent, depending on on the age of the, of the child and your ages. But, um you know, if you don't plan early on, it gets more difficult as time goes on. And I know how difficult it is from all the families that I've helped throughout my 32 years. I've been doing special needs planning for about 15 years, and I've done numerous workshops, and I've met with families. Some are very well off. Uh, some may not be, but as we know, special needs does not discriminate, unfortunately. Uh, or It is what it is, right? So autism happens to the rich or poor. Epilepsy happens to the rich or poor, uh, cerebral palsy, um, Down syndrome, you know, you name it. Unfortunately, uh, it happens to all of us. And um, uh, so, anyhow, uh, yeah, and so with people being so busy taking care of their child, especially, you know, if you have one parent working and one that's staying home uh, taking care of the children, you know, Financial planning and special needs planning, although it's something in the back of their head they know that they need to do, it's one of those things where, you know, I compare it to, to people when it comes to retirement planning. They keep telling I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it, and they don't do it. Hmm. Or, or saving for college. But special needs planning is even more important because you have a person's life on the line and their well-being while you're alive and after you're both gone, or if, if there's a you know, dual family parent, or if it's a single parent, it's even more more difficult for him or her. So uh, the earlier on you, you can start planning and sit down with, whether it be me or somebody like me, uh, the better off you're going to be. 
So in a scenario where a parent says, hey, look, Norman, uh, my wife and I, we're in our late 50s, our child's in teens, and we want to prepare, like, what would be the first thing you would recommend them to look at as they want to plan for the future? Like, what's the first step? You know, I, I would treat this family the way I would treat any family or any business owner. It would be to sit down and, and you know, do a fact finder with them. Sit down with them and really get to know their situation because whatever recommendations I'm ultimately, ultimately going to give them are going to be dependent on their situation. So, you know, their age might come into play. Have they done any estate planning up until that point? Do they even have a will? You know, have they done, have they looked into any kind of either special needs trust or third-party trust? Uh, you know, what's the result of the special need? Uh, how old is the child? You know, um, you know, how old are you? And how is your health? I mean, there's just so many factors that, Go, you know, come into play, like you, even if you mentioned somebody, you know, you have parents that are in their 60s, as you mentioned earlier, you know, they're kind of behind me. If they haven't done any planning and they have, you know, a 20-year-old uh, adolescent with special, you know, special needs, you know, they're, they, you're, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves because, like any parent, loves their children and they're going to take care of him or her for as long as they can. But at some point, you know, when you get into your 60s, 70s, or 80s, you know, things start breaking down. And if your health you know, uh, starts, you know, diminishing due to physical or mental, you know, reasons, then, you know, if you have a husband or a wife, then they could probably fill in. But, if, you know, if you're single, then what do you do? You know, you, you know, as far as financially making sure your child is well taken care of, as far as guardianship, you know, have you done all the proper planning? You know, is the person that you thought was going to be the guardian for your child, you know, 20 years ago still willing to do it now? I mean, there's just so many things that come into play, and who's going to be the trustee for whatever monies I'm able to uh, leave the child in a trust. And, again, you want to make sure anything you leave the child is always in some kind of a trust. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to jeopardize their, their SSI and other government benefits that they you know, might be entitled to or are probably collecting along the way. So very important uh, that you don't have more than $2,000 at any time in the child's name. You really shouldn't have anything in their name directly, and that's where... Mm. Different types of trust come into play, but that would also be determinant on you know your situation. And again, I am a certified financial planner, but I'm not an attorney. I okay. work with a ton of special needs attorneys, mm. so that would be that would be the start. It's really sitting down and doing some fact finding to see what you have done, what you haven't done, mm -hmm. and then coming up with recommendations. Now, would you recommend them getting a will done beforehand, sitting down with you, so they get that out of the way? Uh, well, without question, uh, everybody uh, that's an adult should have a will, and you should have separate wills for husband and wife. That goes, that's automatic. Oh, so it should it be becomes a even joint. more important when you have children. Mm -hmm. And again, you should have, you know, wills for sure. You need to have powers of attorney so that you can make uh, financial decisions. Let's say one of your partner, your husband, or your wife uh, is in a coma, God forbid, and you know, you you can't touch any of their assets. If you don't have a power of attorney over their retirement assets, over their bank accounts, unless it's a joint account, of course, but you know, retirement accounts, IRAs, that kind of stuff. If you don't have a power of attorney and you need that money, you won't be able to have access to that money. So, powers of attorney, living wills. Uh, so, yeah, getting a will is, is, certainly is important to do. However, in a special needs case where you know there's a good chance you're going to need uh, some type of a trust in addition to the will. 
you may want to kind of package it all together and yeah. probably, you know, I have attorneys that will certainly, uh, you know, work with you and give you a, you know, a better price if they're doing your wills and your power of attorney and your health care proxy along with some kind of either a special needs trust or a third-party trust, which is normally the case. Uh, you know, you're normally going to have a third-party trust. Uh, I could I could discuss the difference with you if you want. Um, I, I guess I should. It's kind of important. So people use the term special needs trust. Uh, too in, indiscriminately. So the only people that really need a special needs trust is money that is directly uh, owned by the, the child. In other words, the result of a lawsuit or a medical malpractice or something that co- may have caused the child to become special needs that was a result of somebody else. Mm. That money, would, that's the work in the child's name. That's the only money you should ever really put into a special needs trust because the special needs trust also have what's called a Medicare payback provision, which means any money that Medicare or Medicaid paid out to the child, uh, like SSI or any other governmental benefits, at, at the passing of the child, they have to get paid back first, all those years, all that money, and then whatever's left can go to other siblings or whoever. So so that's why you, that, that's the only time you want to really use what's called a special needs trust. Anything else... You put it to a third-party trust where it has no payback provision. So, birthday money, college money, um, you know, uh, any, anything you're going to leave from an inheritance point of view, you don't want to leave it directly to the child. You leave it to the trust. So, the trust is the beneficiary of anything that's going to that specific child. If you have one child, and then it's obviously going to go to that one person, let's say in the case of Aiden. But if you have two or three children, you know, the, they you can name directly as beneficiary. You know, my daughter's uh, Kathy and my son Sam, and they can get the assets directly. But when, when it comes to the special needs child, you cannot leave those assets in their name. It has to be directly with a trust as the beneficiary of anything that's going to them. Wow. Now, when it comes to um, a parent or, you know, one of the parents or both parents with a job, they should also make those changes to their insurance that the company provides them with that goes along the lines of what, you know, whatever will or whatever trust that you create, right? So there's all, all in, you know, basically in sync. Yes, that's a very important point. So anything, whether it's life insurance with a beneficiary, whether it's a home, whether it's an IRA, whether it's your checking account, whether it's anything at all that's going to be left at your passing, that doesn't pass direct, especially the stuff that doesn't pass by beneficiary. Like, you know, if you have a, a mutual fund portfolio that's not part of an IRA where you can't name a beneficiary, that would just pass by your will. So that's why it's important that even in your will, you have provisions where any any assets uh, that aren't going directly to any child that is in the special needs goes to the trust. So for, bottom line is anything leaving being left to the child has to go into the trust. With, uh, without the, you know, having the, the chance of jeopardizing their governmental benefits and any SSI and other kind of medical benefits they might be receiving. So very important, yes. So whether it's group life insurance, personal life insurance, IRAs, 401Ks, 403Bs, stock options, I mean, anything that you're going to lead to this child specifically has to be left to the trust. It has to be put in the trust. Okay, good to know. Yes. This is interesting. Now, yeah. what type of plans are there? I mean, with special needs, granted, um, is there? Is, I'm assuming it's an umbrella to other plans that include that. You know, um, 
you're sitting with the parent, you say, here's a special needs trust or a special needs plan. This is what's included in that. So they're clear. How yeah, so I mean, uh, well, so we, we talked briefly. So I actually met with a family today. I had done a, a, a seminar the other night. Uh, there was about 50 attendees. It was a Zoom workshop, and they were very impressed with it was me and another special needs attorney on there. And uh, in this situation, uh, they're in their 50s. They have three children. Um, one is 22, graduated from college and is uh, working. The other two um, are twins, 19-year-old twins. And, um, sorry, uh, 19 all twins and the ones, one of the, the one son, uh, the one twin has special needs and the other one doesn't. And he's actually in college itself. So you have a situation quite unique when you have twins and the one being a special needs child, and one not, then you have to do obviously, you know, a really specific planning because like most families, most parents, you want to treat all the children equally at the time of your casting. So, you want to make sure that, um, that that you have enough assets to go around. And so certain assets that you would leave maybe to the other two children that are not special needs, um, like 401k money or, or you know, other type of investments, um, are easier to leave to, to, to the non-special needs children. Really, anybody who has a special needs child should have life insurance. And that's, that's probably the least expensive way, but not just least expensive, but the best way to assure that what, what, you know, whatever you and your, your spouse or if you're single happen to pass away, that, just, that, that trust is going to be funded with enough life insurance to take care of your child for the rest of their life. And so you want to make sure you have a guardian to take care of your child and a trustee to manage the money. Now, it could be the same person. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you have two different people. But life insurance, every person that has a special needs child should have a trust funded with life insurance. Uh, it's the best way to assure, you know, you don't want to put investments in there that can go up and die or down and die you, uh, that you don't want to put your kid, your kid's future on the line with, with, you know, that being, uh, a possibility. So, so again, that's where you might want to, you know, as far as making the estate equitable to your other children, you could leave those and leave them the physical assets, the 401ks, the IRAs, and maybe even leave life insurance for them too, but just make sure that life insurance is, 98% of the time going to be the best asset to fund the trust for your special needs child. Now, is there a specific types of policies for when it comes to special needs kids? Because um, I know life insurance is, I think there's like whole life, gratuity, all these other types of names. Like, Yeah, what? yeah. that's a great question. Um, and I, I guess the only caveat would be you have to be insurable, right? Unfortunately, yes. I've come across situations where I've met with a, a parent or, or parents and we want we apply for the insurance. And although I'm a broker and I represent 60 different companies, they just had a condition that was totally uninsurable. So in that case, wow. we had to go a different route and fund it with, with different. Well, the one parent was able to have life insurance. The other one wasn't. So in that case, there's actually uh, there's, there's two options. One, you can fund the trust with just investable assets if you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Or you could do what's called a second-to-die policy. A second-to-die policy is pretty interesting. It's actually cheaper than getting two whole-life policies. And you're always going to want to do whole-life policies because term insurance is only good for a certain term. Mm-hmm. And so if you're concerned about your child potentially being around for 30, 40, 50 years, you need that insurance to be around for that long also. And there's no such thing as 40-year term or 50-year term. So you're always going to need 
some kind of whole life insurance or a blend, or maybe you start off with term insurance and then you switch it to whole life as you get older before you get too old, though, because it gets very expensive. But one option for if you have a situation where you have one parent that's insurable and one that isn't, there's a policy called second to die. And it's called second to die because it only pays off when the second parent dies. But you can actually have one parent that's totally uninsurable and one that is insurable and still get the insurance for both of you. Because what happens is if you have, if you're a couple or a domestic partner or a husband or wife and one of you passes away, then of course the other parent will continue to take care of the child. The bigger problem arises when both parents are gone. So that's the second death. So that's that's when the second the second to die policy would kick in and use that life insurance to to fund the special the third party trust. I'm sorry. So that's the situation that you can I can help people with when you have one uninsurable parent or partner and the other one is insurable. But as far as what type of insurance, yeah, without question, you're going to want to do, you know, you want to do a whole life for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you know, builds a lot of cash value. It's going to be there until 120. God willing, and um, the premiums don't go up. And but if initially uh, you can't afford the full, then maybe you do term insurance, or you do a combination of some term insurance and some whole life. And then as your situation hopefully gets better uh, over time, you know, as you're making more money or whatever the case may be, then you can you, know, you can switch it all to whole life. So I think oh, you okay. could start it with term or a combination. Basically, I guess is the best answer. Um, question in terms of the whole life, how much? It should be a million. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's a great question too. <laughs> so we actually have, I actually have really good calculators that I use where we would determine, just like I would for, for uh, you know, an adult or, uh, you know, one of you, for, for instance, where we would calculate, um, you know, what, what is it going to cost? What are the expenses for this child to have the quality of life that he has, he or she has now for the rest of their life, right? So mm. if you're not around, you know, whoever the caregiver is or new guardian, you know, it's going to cost money to take care of your child in the in the custom and, the, you know, the type of quality of life you gave him as, as a parent. So, you, you, know, you, you know, the amount of insurance, I guess, will be dependent on a number of things. You know, one, you know, what type of special needs uh, your child has. Are they functional? Are they ever going to be able to go to work or go to college? Or if they're totally homebound and nonverbal and probably not going to be able to leave the house, you know, you have to look at their age. You have to look at your age um, and determine, you know, because again, you know, the, the thing about insurance is uh, you want to get it when you're young and healthy because yeah. that's the two factors that, you know, affect the price of the insurance are your age and your health. So, um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but no. as far as how much, again, some of it's going to be a factor of how much you can afford. Mm-hmm. Some of it's going to be a factor of, you know, the type of special needs your child has and the age of that child and how, you know, how long, how old they are. And, you know, unfortunately, some parents know, depending on the type of special needs the child has, that they are probably not going to live 40 or 50 years or 60 years Unfortunately, that might be the case, and so you might do a little bit different planning there. We all hope for our children to outlive us, but that doesn't always happen, unfortunately. So uh, it's a really a matter of just sitting down with me. We would do calculations based on your income now, based on you know 
what would happen if one of you, what if you, what if you lost your job and you couldn't even work anymore? And so you want to make sure you have a proper amount of disability insurance to pay your normal household bills on top of the insurance premium. So there's a lot of different things that, that come into play, uh, you know, even long-term care insurance. So, you know, uh, we have policies now that give you it's a combination, life insurance and long-term care. And the long-term care is really for, you know, like the couple you said before, that's in their 60s, in their 70s, where they might need some home health care at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, they still want the child to stay home with them for as long as they can. But, you know, if you need to have someone come in and take care of you, you know, eight hours a day um, at, at, you know, $20, $30 an hour, that's, you know, quite, gets quite expensive um, so that you have, you can still stay home and take care of your child for as long as possible. Having long-term care would allow you to have someone, you know, like a living or even uh, someone there for eight hours a day to take care of you while you're taking care of your child. So mm-hmm. long-term care insurance in combination with life insurance it's something that's really popular. We've been doing a lot of a lot of selling and recommending to our clients, and it's you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Where you have a, a home life policy with a long-term care rider, so that if you die, the money is there, and if you don't die or don't die prematurely and you need long-term care, you can use up to 90% of the face value of the policy towards long-term care expenses, which could you know which could, you know could be really really important and allow you to stay with your child for as long as as possible. So, I mean, I mean, it's a lot. Thank you. Um, So I'm thinking in the sense that for our situation, like with Aiden, if we had started, he was diagnosed when he was two and a half, so we're talking about 2015. So around that time would have been ideal to say, you know what, we need to get some, you know, assurance. We need to get this coverage. We need to get the will. We need to get all these things together. Or you should get a will as soon as you get married. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's like there's all these steps. Right. So in a situation where a parent, you know, a year, two years into their child being born, they find out that child has an ailment that will be long term. I would say, I mean, based on what you're saying now, is that that's the time you plan. Absolutely. The sooner the, sooner the better. Yeah. Okay. But I'm sorry. No, no, no worries. No, no, it was just I wanted to get the clarity in the sense that you know, as soon as, as a parent finds out, that's when the planning starts. Yes, that's when I would recommend it. Um, and again, you have, you want to make sure that uh, you know, you never want the child to have any money in their names. You cannot go over two thousand dollars. So, for all intents and purposes, you don't want to ever have anything in the child's name. But unless you're, you know, a multimillionaire, very very wealthy, and you know, can take care of your the child, and they don't need any kind of governmental benefits. Even though, you know, if you're entitled to them, you might as well get them. But if you if you don't need them, and, and you're not, you know, that's not a concern of yours. You still want to have the life insurance when you're not around. But you're, you know, you might not feel under as much pressure to do it sooner rather than later. Although it still makes sense to do it sooner rather than later because again, insurance is based on your age and your health. And I don't care if you're rich or poor, there's no guarantee mm-hmm. just because you're rich that you're going to stay healthy or that you're going to live a long life, right? And that's just the way life uh, is. Mm-hmm. So That's interesting. Now, you mentioned not to have anything in a child's name. Are you mean like credit cards, bank accounts, savings accounts, things like that? No. Well, I, I mean any, any, any monetary, any money, dollars. I mean, first of all, it's going to be very hard for... Uh, special needs child to get a credit card unless 
you have a parent that's co-signing on that. Yeah. And in most cases, a special needs child is not going to have a need for a credit card unless they are functional and able to, you know, maybe live in a, a group home and they're able to work and go to school. Mm -hmm. So that's why it really does depend on the degree of, of special needs, you know, whether you're on the autism spectrum or, you know, depending on the, how severe the, the special needs is will determine, you know, what, you know, what kind of, what kind of life they're going to have. But yeah, I, I wouldn't think there would ever be a need to have a credit card or anything in a, in a child's name or even an adolescent with special needs. But um, as far as anything monetarily, it's going to be left to the child while they're alive or when their parents are gone has to be left in a trust, period. That's end of discussion. That has to happen. Mm. Now, uh, that trust is protected. I'm assuming no one can touch it outside of the those who are assigned no. to the trust. Okay. No, what happens with a trust is, you know, you sit down with an attorney, uh, and like I said, you could do it at the same time as you've done your will, or if you've already done your will, you do the special needs trust. At that time, you're going to name trustees, which are the people responsible for the for the giving out of the money in the trust. Initially, it would be you and Nina in this case, but you're also going to want to have successor trustees that would come into play in case something happened to you or Nina. So they would be the you know, successor trustee that would be in charge of managing the money and making sure that that money is handled properly. Um, you want to make sure that the person that, that is going to be the trustee is responsible, loving, cares about your child, and is not going to you know, take the money and spend it on themselves. You know, they have a legal responsibility to the, to the child to make sure that the money is spent for the child. You know, it could be used for, you know, taking the child to Disney World, for mm -hmm. airfare, whatever the case may be, but it has to be used for the child or it should be used for the child. Um, and that's why it's important that whoever you pick as a successor guardian uh, is up to the responsibilities of being a caregiver and giving your child the love and support uh, that they need and making sure that they, if they're going to be able to trust the end of body and that they're responsible and not a spendthrift and they don't have to have a, you know, a gambling habit or a drug habit or yeah. anything like that. So yeah. you have to be very careful about doing that. But also if, so let's say now, because I have someone who put me on their will as a guardian just in case. Now, would they require me, let's say now I am a, you know, appointed as a guardian of a trust, would they require that I also leave something by because let's say now, God forbid something happens to me after five years of taking care of the child, you know, what happens then? So do I also create a plan for that child, even though I become the guardian? No, no, no. I think all that planning should be done way ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, you know, like, like for instance, again, if, if you and Dina wanted to, uh, you know, do some, do, do a state planning, or if you haven't already done it for Aiden, then you would sit down with, again, whether it's me or somebody like me, do a fact finder, do a whole, you know, your whole financial situation, uh, determine, you know, what what type of trust is best for you, what other assets do you have. And then at that point, once you sit down with the attorney and do the wills, you're going to do the will. You're, you obviously, by default, as his parents, are going to be their guardian, his, you know, his guardian. And it's only when the two of you are no longer around mm -hmm. that you would have, you know, a successor guardian, someone that 
you've had discussions with and family meetings with. It could be a sibling. It could be an aunt, an uncle, a brother or sister, one of your parents. So you'd want to have, you know, you want somebody that's going to be responsible, but you have to do all that planning initially mm-hmm. as part of the overall planning that you would do with you know, myself and then with the attorney when you're drawing up the legal documents like the trust and the will and and the uh, guardianship and all that type of stuff. So they wouldn't, so that successor guardian wouldn't be required to, you know, add. Um, a, no. D- okay. Just no. That. They have, no, they're doing enough. Right? <laughs> they're, they're taking on the responsibility of taking care of your child. That in itself is enough. That what you would, obviously you want to have, you know, another, you know, a second successor in case something happens to that guardian who's yeah. going you know, to take their place. Yeah. So, you know, that would also depend on the age of the child, the age of the guardian. You know, if they're, if they're, if they're young, they're probably, you're probably going to be okay. Uh, as far as the guardian, if they're in their 30s or 40s, you probably don't have to be too worried about, you know, if they're the same age, let's say, as you, mm-hmm. and you're going to be around for another 40 years. And so they would only be the guardian after both of you are gone. So you really don't normally need to have a triple, you know, triple successor guardian, but you know, it's something you would address as you go on throughout the years and in case something, you know, something could happen to the person that you thought would be the successor guardian, right? They could die prematurely, they could have a medical condition and not be able to fulfill that responsibility. So you want to have somebody else in, in the back of your head or, you know, jotted down or discussions with the family and, you know, some of those what-if situations yeah. so that nobody's caught, you know, caught off guard type of thing. So. Now, is there limitations to someone getting a child getting coverage because they're under a medical care, like because of their type of medication, which is known to have several side effects, will you know shorten their lifespan, possibly shorten it. So, as an underwriter looking at these things, does that also affect the type of policy uh, a child could qualify for? Well, you're not getting the policy on the child, mm-hmm. right? You're getting the policy on you. Okay. Or, or Nina in this case, or whoever are the guardians of the child, because they're the ones that are taking care of the child. So the whole purpose of the trust is to make sure it is funded properly with normally, like I said, 98% life insurance. 98% of the time, it's going to be life insurance so that you have the money to take care of that child. Whoever it's going to be has the financial means to take care of that child for the rest of his or her life, or their life in the case of having uh, you know, multiple children with special needs. So you're not really looking to get insurance on the child. Okay. Uh, there's really never going to be a need for that. Um, unless, again, they're fully functional. I do have clients that have children with special needs that have actually gotten married and have actually had children. And so in that case, they're, they're no different than you or me, right? They yeah. have responsibility to their child. Mm-hmm. So in that case, yes, but that's you know more the exception than the rule. So really, you're you're only concerned about getting the insurance on the caregivers and having that money being left to the child in the trust when they are no longer able to take care of them. Yeah. What was like the biggest mistake you've seen parents do when it came to planning something like this? Well, I guess the biggest mistake is not planning. (laughs) That's true. That's the biggest mistake, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, being a special aid parent is not easy. And you know what? life happens and you get so caught up with you know taking care of that child and especially when you have other children on top of your special needs child the other children that may not have special needs 
And, you know, you're, you're, you're only two parents. It's hard enough taking care of children that don't have a special needs condition. And when they do, it makes it even even more difficult. So the, the biggest thing is not doing any planning at all. At all. Mm-hmm. The second biggest thing would be waiting too long to put a plan in place because that might prevent you from certain options that you would have had had you done it earlier on. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing is just not have, not doing the planning, yeah. financial planning, uh, the, the family the family meetings and discussions. Uh, who's going to take care of the child when you're no longer around? I think those are probably the biggest, the, the biggest thing, and that goes for regular families that that don't do any kind of planning, whether it's for college, whether it's for retirement, whether it's for you know long-term care, anything like that. That at that point, you know, unfortunately, people don't plan to fail; they fail to plan, as they say. So that's that's my uh, biggest piece of advice: is do it now. Don't put it off and don't procrastinate. Fair enough. I have to say thank you very much for joining us. Now, if people wanted to, um, you know, our audience wanted to reach out to you and get some more information and insight, uh, how would they be able to reach you? Well, they could reach me at my uh, direct email, which is my first initial N, like Norman, followed by my last name, which is C H D as in Edward, D as in Victor, L I N at Financial Guide, G-U-I-D-E, so it's all one word, financialguide.com. You can also reach me at my office number, which is uh, 732-751-3003. And if you are respectful, you can, I'll give you my cell. It's 732-513-8213. So um, that's probably the best way to reach me. Uh, shoot me an email. You call me or shoot me an email, leave me a message, you'll get an answer back that day or within 24 hours. That's my guarantee to all my clients. And your website as well, they, um, just in case they want to do some research. Yeah, yeah you can go. Well, I have uh, different websites. Um, we, we just actually changed uh, our website. I think it's uh, more creative with the number one.com. Okay. That's our, that's my uh, new corporate website. I also have my other website, uh, you know, which is um, uh, plantyourfinancialcity.com. Mm-hmm. So you can actually reach me at, at that also, and um, you can check out my website. There's tons of information on there. That's more of a personal a website and a personal like other business that's on the different side of my financial planning. But that's a great site to go on. There's tons of information that's not just, you know, special needs specific, but for anybody. There's all kinds of calculators on there, information about business insurance, life insurance. I mean, anything you need to know about retirement planning, there's a, it's a great, great website. That's plantyourfinancialseed.com. Oh, great. Spelled out. All right. Thank you so much. I took so much notes. So, yeah. A really good interview. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm happy. I mean... You know, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of, uh, you know, uh, helping families, um, you know, uh, educating them and just seeing you know, the smiles on their face when they have that feeling that, wow, you know, this is just something that's it's been on my, it's been on my, in my, in my, in my chest, on my shoulders, weighing me down for so long. I've been wanting to do it. Yeah. I'm so glad, Norman, you really helped us out. Thank you so much. And, um, and that's a great feeling, you yeah. know, yeah. so it is because it's not easy because 
so many families that need so much help and they just need to just get started. That's the first thing. And thank God it gets started. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're one of those. So <laughs> thank you for the help. So nah, well, listen, I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share my, you know, some information, some education, some of my knowledge that I've, you know, uh, garnered over the years. I am also available for, you know, public speaking. I, like I said, I do zoom workshops, that's right. Um, you know, I know that we have the COVID right now, but, you know, there are people that are starting to feel more comfortable. You know, uh, I'm sure within the next two or three months, everybody gets their vaccines. We'll start doing more, you know, person-to-person workshops, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for right now, we could do Zoom workshops, or we could just have a phone conversation and talk about your situation. So yeah. whatever works best. Now, will you be posting your Zoom um, schedule for, like, if you're going to be doing webinars on your website? Because when people go there, they can actually uh, register for it. I I tell you what I <clears throat> I don't have the ability to post it on my my corporate website. Um, I probably could do it on my other website. What I would probably do though is just you know reach out to you, okay. um, and you could certainly post it on your uh, Love and Can uh, site, uh, okay. I guess. And um, but people could always call me, and I could you know. I don't have a way, unfortunately, to post it on just for compliance purposes. It's just Understood. difficult. Um, but I'm open to it. They can reach out to me, and I can certainly have a workshop. Okay. You know, as long as I'm as long as my calendar's open, just let me know. And I'll, I do. You know, I talk to groups of ten, fifty, a hundred. Doesn't matter. Uh, just reach out to me, and we'll put it on the calendar and make it happen. All right. Great. Thank you again. I really appreciate your time and your insight, and yeah. uh, definitely helpful. Thank you again You're for joining very, us. Very welcome. All right, guys. Good night, Nina, and uh, get my best aid and come on for me. Thank you. Good night. Thank you again.